Hello, and welcome to the Embodying Change podcast. My name is Melissa Pitotti, and this podcast is part of the CHS Alliance initiative to change our experience of power, culture, and well-being in aid organizations. This will help us better meet the core humanitarian standard. Today, you'll hear me in conversation with Faye Ikong of Ravelworks Africa. She's going to facilitate two important events this month, the 21st September Cigna event, on safeguarding and staff well-being, what good looks like, and the 27 to 28 September CHS exchange. The theme of that event is towards a more accountable aid system delivering on our commitments. In this episode, Faye shares some important insights into the impact of COVID on the employee experience. She talks about psychological barriers to decolonizing aid and localization, and she also talks about the importance of making work fun. You can check out the show notes to register for the events that I've just mentioned, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I would like to welcome to the podcast, Faye Ekong. Welcome, Faye. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. You have a long history with CHS Alliance. So many of our listeners will probably have heard of you, but in case they haven't, or in case they haven't had their coffee yet today and they need a little reminder, do you mind just to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thanks for that. Yes, it is true. We have a long-standing history with CHS. I think maybe from 2013 or 2014, I've been following or facilitating and participating uh, mm -hmm. in your events. But a little bit uh, about me. Well, currently I'm based in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm the managing director of a company called Ravelworks, and we are really mainly focused on OD, organizational design and development, mm -hmm. um, in the sense of making work fun. I know it sounds a bit <laughs> odd, um, but you know, since we spend most of our time actually mm -hmm. in our work environments with our colleagues and peers, mm -hmm. that was really uh, our most important uh, focal point when we set it up. How can mm -hmm. we really help organizations create more meaningful interactions with uh, their teams, with their staff? So yeah, that's what we do. But before that, and that's how Melissa, of course, I got to meet all of you. Um, mm -hmm. I had a long-standing history also in the INGO uh, sector uh, mm -hmm. in the area of HR and learning and development. Yeah. Ah, okay. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to have to come back to what you said about making work fun, mm -hmm. because we know from the research that when people can tap into lightheartedness, can play, mm -hmm. then that connects to what a lot of organizations say is one of their values is being creative, mm -hmm. innovative, that, that piece. And this idea of meaningful interaction, I've been hearing even yesterday, um, a hunger from people in our sector yeah. to really connect again. They, they feel like uh, COVID really had this deep, um, divisive yeah. way of disconnecting people. It connected people in some ways because there's a, a ability with Zoom and other technologies to, to connect in ways we hadn't been before. But there seems to be this loss, uh, a mourning of how we've lost some of the human connection. So I would love to come back to you on the meaningful interaction point as well. But before I do, I'm really curious, how did you get interested in transforming organizations? Could you tell us a little bit about your story? What got you interested in this topic? 
Yeah, exactly. So it's it's uh, connected in a way. Um, I mean, throughout my career, I was a management consultant before, then I joined the humanitarian sector, and now I, I run my own company. Mm -hmm. But throughout all of that, we spent so much time in organizations, in planning processes, Gantt charts, Excel <laughs> strategies, KPIs, you name it, outcome mapping, you know, all these different approaches, which are very much focused on the hard elements, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. um, and so... But we found that anytime we were engaged in this, doesn't matter whether it's a two week process, six months, two years, et cetera, nothing was happening. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yes, the Excel sheets are beautiful. You know, the arrows are going mm -hmm. in the right direction, but mm -hmm. it wasn't actually transforming organizations. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to get more interested in that, I said, but why, you know, all the boxes are there, all of the, you know, <laughs> arrows, we've had so many retreats, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But what we started to find is that it has much more to do with the underlying mental models, right? Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. we as individuals show up at work, how mm -hmm. um, the identity that we carry into work, you know, I'm a mm -hmm. manager, I'm an expert, I'm a specialist. Mm -hmm. um, the assumptions we make that then influence our business or strategic decisions, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. And I realized that could not be addressed by changing organograms or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. creating new uh, boxes. So mm -hmm. that's how I got interested uh, in the work that I do. So now we kind of balance. Of course, there's the hard skills element that needs mm -hmm. to go with it as well. Mm -hmm. But it's really trying to help organizations and particularly leaders and managers going mm -hmm. that step deeper. Mm. Oh, my um, goodness. That's yeah. good. So you learned from experience. Basically, yes, you know, my, my master's in international management didn't help me, you know, <laughs> to, to, I learned all of the theories and the boxes, but it didn't help me to actually manage organizations. Um, and we see that even a lot, Melissa, today, I mean, I'm guessing specifically for your members as well, yes. the mm -hmm. whole debate around decolonizing aid, you yes. know, uh, racism and aid, localization, etc. That is not a structural issue alone. There's a lot of underlying beliefs, perceptions, mm -hmm. assumptions, mm -hmm. etc. that influence mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. How we recruit talent, how we set up mm -hmm. our compensation structures, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, promotions, all mm -hmm. of these things are, are influenced by who we believe we are in the space that we operate in. Yes, and sadly, even with the momentum in this sector to have the hard conversations, it seems that we don't have clarity of the pathway mm -hmm. so how do we collectively first of all understand our underlying beliefs and assumptions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um understand who we believe we are and then work backwards from there to to try to adjust yeah. accordingly it seems like there's uh no clarity of how to do that in, in a larger sense now i'm sure a lot of the groups you're working with because you've given them some ways to think about it, they are coming up with their paths. They're coming up with their ways of, of approaching. But I think collectively, I haven't really seen um, something that gives me encouragement. What about you? Yeah, so, I mean, again, with the whole localization in quotes or, you know, decolonizing aid, um, there's a disconnect, like you're saying, between theory and practice. Yes. Okay? Everybody is going to say, yes, it's good. We need to do that. Absolutely. It's time. It's et cetera. Um, but then in practice, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying difficult one, because it really is about then dismantling certain structures, which we've had for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and dismantling those structures then again, you know, requires some very honest conversations with ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll give you a very practical example. A lot of the work that I do is actually compensation work. So helping mm -hmm. organizations restructure their compensation philosophy, salary scales, etc., mm -hmm. um, to be more equitable. Now mm -hmm. you can imagine that can cause a lot of friction because mm -hmm. for years there's been this expatriate staff, international staff, and then national staff, yes. which has also filtered into how we compensate people for the same work. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of barriers in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and what has perhaps not happened so well in this sector is that there has been enough, um, how do I say, enough people willing to challenge that status quo, but in a professional manner, you know, yes. um, because all these discussions about, um, let's say, even structural racism. Uh -huh. What a lot of people hear is you are racist. That's not what that's not what the statement says, right? The statement mm -hmm. is saying, let's look at your systems, your structures, mm -hmm. your policies and procedures and see mm -hmm. where there is bias built in mm -hmm. to the overall system. Um, and that can be, for instance, how you set up partnership agreements with uh, partners in the so-called global south. Mm -hmm. um, it can be about where you are recruiting for certain positions, in what markets. Are you really getting, you know, the full spectrum of skill sets available? So there's so many other things in there um, mm -hmm. that we need to be cognizant of to move that debate away from you against me, me against you. That's not what the discussion is about, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I recently read a book by Joanna Breedenbach and Bettina Rallo. It's called New Work Needs Inner Work. Exactly. Very and they good. said, yeah, basic, basic premises, you know, there's a lot of really amazing uh, approaches to different ways of working that are much more effective. But until we do the inner work, um, people will run into roadblocks and then quickly say, forget it. Let's go to the old ways. Yeah, exactly. Because it's easier, isn't it? <laughs> it's much easier. Uh, in a way, it's more comfortable because it's more ah, familiar yeah like we we, yeah. we know how these boxes and the org charts work you know yeah. that i report yeah. to you and she reports to him and then but um when we have to actually flip everything on its head then it brings up some uncomfortable conversations um and, and and a lot of people run away from that <laughs> yeah because it, I mean, you've said two important things. One is you said it's more comfortable. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you or some of your listeners uh, know or follow Brené Brown and some of her mm -hmm. books and her TED Talks. But she has this beautiful um, statement, which I like to use a lot, is that the choice that we have to choose courage over comfort. Mm -hmm. um, and that really means being vulnerable in certain situations. A lot mm -hmm. of People tell me, ah, but it's difficult. But if I say something in the staff meeting or if I, you know, we can make a lot of justifications and a lot of, you know, excuses for why we cannot challenge the status quo. That's not a hard thing to do. Um, but like you are saying, am I choosing in that moment courage or comfort? Mm -hmm. right. uh, and that's a pretty easy question to answer for yourself. You know, you, you know for yourself, no, no, I'm just being comfortable here. I just don't want to rock um, uh, the boat in that sense. And the other thing is... Mm -hmm. um, Few of us take the time to think through for myself as Melissa or myself mm -hmm. as Faye, 
what kind of identity do I have when it comes to my work, right? So right. if you have been for years, the expert, the specialist, the advisor, the, you know, that carries a lot of ego and pride with it. And now somebody yes. else is coming you to, to tell you we're going to do it differently or that. That's very scary for you at an individual level. Mm -hmm. What right. will that mean for me? My 15 years, 20 years working in this sector, what will other people think of me? Am I going to lose power, influence, standing? Mm -hmm. There's a yes. lot of things that go on in that discussion, you know, that are yes. below the surface. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in this concept of status to understand some dynamics that happen in organizations. Mm -hmm. This idea you want, first, you want to get in the club, you want to get in the organization, you want to be accepted, <laughs> and then you want to move ahead. You want to exactly. improve. In, and then if someone's asking you to step back from your status role, it's not easily, easily let go. No, no. Uh, not at all, because, you know, mental models very often are um, not made uh, explicit. Mm -hmm. um, we don't question them. Sometimes we don't even know that we're holding on to a particular mental model mm -hmm. uh, until somebody engages you in a little bit more dialogue to question some of those underlying beliefs and assumptions mm -hmm. um, in the sense of, well, what kind of person would you be if that assumption was not true? Mm -hmm. If you let go of that belief, what happens then? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you have those moments where, no, it's impossible, but I did, you know, and I went to, I don't know, SOAS University, I graduated from LSE, I, you know, I wrote, <laughs> that's all great, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So we've, we've already kind of touched on it, but I, I'm always um, imagining someone in your role has a really special perspective because you are working with people people and organizations in various contexts, in various levels of challenge uh, on various problems, but you, you can probably step back and, and see patterns or trends. Are you seeing today some common challenges in organizations? And, and if you are, what are some of the things that come to mind? Well, the, the, one of the first things, and I know I'm going to break the heart of some of your listeners by oh. saying this. I know, I know. Um, but it's that as, as INGOs, there's this kind of belief that each one of us is unique. You know, mm. <laughs> I work on children. I work on gender. I work on environment. I work on advocacy. I, so it, with all of our clients, or at least our INGO clients, mm. the first uh, struggle is always trying to dismantle that mental model. You are not mm. unique, you know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, it's just your focus or your vision is different, but the problems you have are almost identical. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the structural challenges that you have are almost identical. So mm -hmm. it takes a couple of days, sometimes weeks, sometimes mm -hmm. months <laughs> mm -hmm. for people to be like, okay, so maybe we're not that unique just because we're working on, you know, gender or, or we are, you know, we are small, but we are large, but we mm -hmm. work in three countries, but we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but the basic fundamentals are the same when it comes to how you're set up and structured because it's the aid sector. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, you know, there's some basic structures, the same like in any other um, sector, excuse me, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, insurance, investment, agriculture, there's some basic fundamentals irrespective of whether you're farming bananas or tomatoes mm -hmm. uh, kind of stuff. So that's, that's the first one. Mm -hmm. Second one, I would say, again, a trend, and you'd already started with that in the beginning, what mm. COVID has done to us. Mm. What is clear is, one, all your staff across the world, mainly, mm -hmm. people are getting much more interested in the employee experience. Mm -hmm. okay? So what is in it for me? What's my value add to be putting my expertise, my time, you know, my personal resources into organization X? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and many organizations are struggling with how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Because uh, traditionally in, in many markets, it was like, well, I'm offering you a job, you do whatever I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and now people are saying, actually, with COVID, I realized I don't need to move, you know, I can still be at home, or I don't need to commute every day to the office, or I can be based in Bangkok, but have a job in, I don't know, you know, Colombia. Uh, provided that I wake up at certain hours. So there's a lot of these things going on, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm not sure organizations are thinking through properly yet, Mm -hmm. fully. Um, Mm -hmm. And also when we look at the whole world of work, I I think I might have mentioned it in one of the CHS Mm -hmm. conferences we did during COVID, right? Where is that world of work actually uh, going? And for how long will our current setup as INGOs still be relevant? attractive, mm-hmm. competitive, you know, those are all things that are not being thought through mm-hmm. um, actively, you know, especially, I'll give you a concrete example. Mm-hmm. If the world of work is changing, means also the role of INGOs is changing, and we can mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for your talent strategy? Yeah. What is the talent you should be bringing in, let's say from um, social enterprises, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to help think certain things through, or even from private sector, et cetera, what kind of profiles do we really need? Not today to fill this project officer job, mm-hmm. but in the next four, five, six, seven years. Um, and INGOs, generally speaking, are not very good at strategic <laughs> foresight. No. They are good at, you know, I have this grant, I need to quickly write a proposal so that I have money for this year or for the next two years but not very good looking at the ecosystem and Mm -hmm. seeing what are the different uh, forces um, Mm -hmm. that are coming to play. And sometimes, you know, you get hit with it at the last moment. Absolutely. This is uh, uh, one of the things that came out of our interviews of CEOs in leading well, the leading well project. They're saying, look, we want to uh, support set a right tone, support staff, and we are, and this is a, I think this is a nice point, point on your first point. We're not unique. Yeah. All but one said we are really facing a stiff competition. Correct. <laughs> we're scarce resources. Correct. And um, we're basically set up to compete, not to collaborate. Correct. <laughs> so, so this idea, we're competing for scarce funds, and these funds are time limited. So you're looking, you're in, in a sense, the system is incentivizing you to have the short term insight, the short term look yeah. like who can we who can get us to the next year, two years or three years of funding, not the long term, it's very hard to find people with the time and luxury of thinking 10 years ahead, but it's really important to think. Right. Longer but that term. could also, I was going to say, but that again goes back to what is the talent you have in different positions in your organization, mm-hmm. you know? And do you have the right talent that has that skill set to think more long term mm-hmm. um, or just being reactive? I mean, the other thing is as well is within the INGO sector, again, the pool of talent is not actually very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of the same people or the same skill sets being rotated through organizations. Mm-hmm. So there's very seldomly that you're bringing on board, you know, something really new uh, mm-hmm. or different. It's just I was a project manager here for five years, then I moved to the other organization for three, then I went to head of department. Um, so that's not somebody who's coming with outside expertise necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes even going back to those reflections on yourself is is kind of thinking through why am I in this sector yes 
beyond that, I know the standard response. I want to give back. I want to, I know. Um, but really digging a bit, is it, are you in the sector because you can't get a job anywhere else? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Or because you are a big fish in a small sea, your name is well known, you, you know, this kind of things. And then what does that say about yourself in terms of mm -hmm. your ability really to test your skill sets and your competencies mm -hmm. in a different market to get additional experience and exposure mm -hmm. so that if you then come back into the sector because you really believe, you know, women's rights or girls or HIV, that is really my passion, but then come back with some skills into the sector that can actually help us move as opposed to the same skill set being rotated around, but just for different causes. I think yeah. when people do these reflection exercises on personal values, which can be connected later to organizational values yeah. where you can see alignment and you do an exercise like the nine whys, like why am I here and why mm -hmm. that and why that and why that and why that? I think it can reveal a lot um, that can uncover some of the reasons people, for example, have a burnout. They're right. working, they, they have trouble setting boundaries. Why is that? Um, so I think that's really important for people to ask themselves, why are they working in this sector that can take them to uh, war zones, it can take them to very difficult contexts, um, and, and all that comes with it. I, I think one of the things you, we can do is draw comfort from the fact that mm, organizations are not unique in, in a sense that we can have some, we can stop blaming ourselves because a mm. lot of, there's a lot of shame uh, associated with some of these issues. Like, oh, uh, my people are not happy. Therefore, I must be a terrible leader. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what you're, what happening in your organization is quite common. <laughs> and if we can see, see the, the, the nice piece of being not unique is that we cannot take it personally and we can learn from others yeah. how they're coping with things. And, and maybe we could get some more solidarity, some more cross-organization yeah. sharing. And I know that sounds naive to some people who are like, we are competing with these other organizations for money. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, even the whole concept around my people are not happy. Therefore, I must be a bad leader or therefore, you know, if I change my organogram and add another box, the problem will go away. Mm -hmm. um, that is missing a fundamental step, mm -hmm. which is that being able to engage in some honest and open dialogue with your so-called people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. as an employee of an organization, I also have some personal responsibility there. Yes. Um, if this thing is not working for me mm -hmm. because uh, I don't know, let's say CHS is not aligned with my personal values. Let's mm -hmm. say, for example, mm -hmm. I have two choices. I can stay with CHS for the next five years and complain about how I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. Or I can also say, you know, this is not for me. Let me let me do something else. Mm -hmm. And so having those honest conversations with our people or individuals in our teams to say, listen, Melissa, let's work this through. Yes. What is it that you would like to be doing? Where do you see yourself? How can we support you? Even if it's not with us, you know, mm -hmm. but if there's something that we can do, I don't know, basic examples, working on your CV or are there certain courses that maybe you can take that I can support you on so mm -hmm. that you get this new skill set? I mean, that's, that's a sign of a good employer, right? Yes. I recognize you and me cannot work together, mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't make you a bad person. However, mm -hmm. there might be certain things I can do to help you transition. Yes. And once you feel that there's a safe space to talk to me about it, then um, that's a lot better of a setup than you staying with me for the next three or four years being so unhappy. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. even make it. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah. actually, if you think 
about it logically it doesn't make doesn't any make, sense but doesn't make sense yeah instead we're all hush hush quiet i can't say but i don't want to ask you don't want to talk yeah. mm. it does make sense in the one way which is a lot of people in the sector are very afraid of their job security and their yes. li livelihoods and they need to pay their bills but um, yeah to have a psychologically safe space where you can admit that there are some things that aren't working and that we can work together to address that could be helpful for everyone. <laughs> to transition well, yeah. And look, I understand the argument about job security. That's in all sectors, right? It's yes. not just the INGO sector. And we're not saying just quit your job and, and exit, you know, tomorrow. Um, because there's also one element around saying, okay, maybe you're not so happy right now, I don't know, in your job as an M&E manager. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, what are those things that you can do in the next six, uh, six months to build yourself within your current position? Mm -hmm. Are there certain discussions you can be part of, certain resources you can consult, uh, relationships, networks you can build up? You know, it's not all doom and gloom uh, if you look at it from a more objective perspective. The other thing is that COVID, if it taught us one thing, mm -hmm. is that job security is artificial. Yes. You know, yes, you are on a two-year contract, three-year contract, but actually... Um, it's also very easy to close those contracts because of force majeure, because of funding shortages, etc. So yeah. that it's a false security to believe, oh, my job, my job. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, since we have people listening um, who can definitely relate to the challenges that you've outlined, mm. um, for example, what COVID did to us in terms of the employee experience. Um, yesterday, uh, someone mentioned uh, in a meeting that I was at that they're really struggling because the people who are coming into the office are having a better employee experience than the people who are working remotely. Right, right. And they don't know as an organization what to do about that because they want everyone to feel included and to feel a positive work environment is that something that you've been seeing as well this uh this kind of discrepancy mm. between people who are um working in the office together versus people who continue to work remote well i would say the experiences are vastly different across mm -hmm. the board so there was recently uh I guess, I think some point this year, but a study was published for the US market specifically, which we've also seen with our US clients, mm -hmm. um, where actually the opposite was being said. People were willing to give up up to 30% of their um, uh, pay mm -hmm. in order not to have to commute. Mm. Um, you know, so say, I want to work from home because it was so stressful, train and bus and whatever, and standing in the, you know, uh, yes. for hours to get there to get back. I would rather have less money, but be able to work from home, take my kids to school in the morning, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, where other personality profiles or in other organizations, people have really struggled because they are more, you know, uh, influenced, motivated by the energy of other people. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, the spectrum is, you know, all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I have seen is that when organizations have the open possibility to say, listen, for those of you who want to come, great. If it's two days a week, wonderful. If it's, you know, three, whatever it is, giving people more that autonomy and, and um, you know, ability to choose for themselves. Now, nice. I get it that if you have a remote team working in completely different locations, it's not mm -hmm. so easy. Mm -hmm. However, goes back again to our talent acquisition strategy. Yes. 
Am I recruiting then the right profiles, the right uh, uh, you know, types that will add value into my organization? Mm -hmm. Can Melissa work uh, from wherever London, but she's working for a Kenyan organization? Yes. And if that's difficult for you, then maybe I shouldn't hire you in the first place because I can't say, well, I'm surprised now after six months that she's mm -hmm. you know, struggling. Yeah. But also for yourself, it's that honesty to say, this might not be a good setup for me. Mm -hmm. However, given I need a job or rather work sounds very interesting, what can I then do for myself to make mm -hmm. sure I feel connected or what would be some of the red flags for me? Or, so it's going again, it's more this strategic foresight, even for your personal life, <laughs> you know, yes. and not just saying, oh, I'm excited. Rubber works offered me a job. <laughs> oh, but now they're all in Kenya. <laughs> well, yes, that's part of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sometimes find myself thinking in theory, this is going to be fantastic. I love the idea. And then in practice, I say, oh, I'm actually an introvert and I can't work in open space. I need to have yeah. quiet time. And I wish I could be chatty, chatty all the time. But I, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's for me personally, I've been learning um, a lot about my, my, my work preferences. And, but that's a big reflection, right, to make. Um, I remember uh, one, it was a the private sector client, but um, they had accepted uh, a work in an investment bank. Mm -hmm. And they were told this is fast paced, long hours, high intense, big risk, stress, blah, 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 blah. And they said, yeah, 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 that is me. Uh, <laughs> and they actually realized pretty quickly that I can't take this kind of pressure, you know, and changes and, you know, all of these emotions that go with the drama. And mm -hmm. that's like, well, you weren't honest with yourself. Yes. You wanted the job, you wanted the title. Um, mm -hmm. And like you're saying, it, it comes with professional maturity as well, mm -hmm. uh, Melissa. I know that mm -hmm. for myself, what you are saying today, mm -hmm. um, I don't look or sound like it, but I'm an introvert. I, I really mm -hmm. dislike working in an office space with other people. I get so distracted. Me too. Um, you know, I, yes, I can have coffee and lunch, mm -hmm. um, but to do real work, I need to sit by myself. Yes. Um, and I also know I'm somebody who does not like being in a structured environment. Yeah. So if you offered me any job in World Bank or UN or something <laughs> that has policies, rules, regulations, departments, I don't like it. I like working in a more chaotic environment where things mm -hmm. are changing. You need to adapt quickly. That's me. Mm -hmm. um, so might I have the technical skills to do something in a World Bank setting? Technically, mm -hmm. yes. But do mm -hmm. I have the... I don't know, you know, emotional competence. Is it a good alignment with my values? No. No. Yeah. I was going to say we should work together, but we work separately in different spaces. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, everybody <laughs> in your own place, uh, you know, once twice a year, we, we go, we meet, have a coffee, Yeah, we go have a coffee. We would have a nice coffee or a dinner. Speaking yeah. of that, um, mm. we will, I think I will be having coffee with you next week because there is right. an event that you are going to be facilitating. Um, right. In Antwerp, would you like to say a few words about that? Because there's still time for people who might find themselves in the Antwerp area to participate. To register or people close by as well with a train, a quick train ride. Yes. So that is the Cigna event. Mm -hmm. um, so Cigna, probably most of you know, is a, a huge insurance company, mm -hmm. um, but also focused very much on supporting INGOs uh, and their staff. Um, so this is their event, uh, their annual event now being done uh, half online, half face to face. So you can also still register online if oh, you good. prefer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but really what we're looking at there is more the concept of safeguarding uh, security and crisis management. Mm -hmm. not just from a structural perspective, right? Or put your policies in place and et cetera, have a you know, decision tree, 
but actually we're going much more in depth to look at what does personal resilience look like we've got some great speakers who are sharing their own stories and struggles as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have built in a couple of voluntary sessions around mindfulness um, mm -hmm. So just to help you also think through your own, you know, where am I right now yes. um, in, in my own uh, kind of space. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and of course, Cigna being there because they don't just provide the medical support in case of incidences, but mm -hmm. also then um, the employer assistance uh, that goes with it. Um, mm -hmm. Since that is a pertinent topic in our mm -hmm. sector. Mm -hmm. I'm also excited. I like... Um... Cigna's campaign is the whole health, looking at not just exactly. the physical, but the mental health and how it connects there. So that's and fantastic. We'll put in the show notes, the links to that event. Did you want to say more on it? Yeah, because I was going to say, we all know that, you know, this critical incident management, safeguarding, again, they're all trendy topics. We like to talk about them, but when something happens, we're all kind of like, oh, now <laughs> do I call me? Do I? It's very, very complicated. Yes. And, and that's not to say that people don't have their heart in the right place, but we also don't always know how best to respond, who to call. How do I support Melissa? Do I, do I ask mm. questions? Do I leave it? Do I, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and for the person experiencing an incident or having witnessed or being part of it, they also don't always know what, what do I do? Do I just sit in my room by myself for the next week, you know, and, and cry, mm -hmm. you know, where do I reach out? So I think yes. those are more the practical discussions that we're going to have rather than do you have a policy on safeguarding? You know, that's, yes. that's easy to do. You can Google it and change the logo. I, I found so many people, um, they they want to have a good policy, but they also want like specific help uh, dealing with specific issues that exactly. come up. I have a colleague who's having an issue. What do I say? What is appropriate? What mm -hmm. we have uh, all this range of <clears throat> support. The person's not using it. What do I do? So I, I find uh, uh, the once people are kind of switched on to the duty of care, and they say yes. We have a duty of care as an agency, as a manager, we have responsibility, and as individuals, we have responsibilities. Then some people just are seeking that kind of support for um, advice. Exactly, exactly, yes. Uh, rather than spending a lot of times in workshops and meetings defining duty of care, you know, that's the least of our problem. But it's more like you're saying, do we have the skill sets around how do we best support and and that sometimes that makes us uncomfortable as well you know mm -hmm. sitting mm -hmm. with somebody who's maybe crying or who has shut down or who's aggressive these kind of things we don't know so we say oh just leave Melissa alone give us some time eh? uh, and we'll check back on her after four weeks and sometimes that's the right thing to do and mm -hmm. sometimes that's the worst thing to do you know yes, yes. There we there's go. another event coming up later this month we're in September Yes. What year are we in? 2022. 2022. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the year. Um, it's a CHS exchange and you'll be facilitating that as well. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, so that event I'm excited about as well. It's online and I know CHS, you've had a couple of your events online, which have worked pretty well. Uh, mm -hmm. to allow people from everywhere to participate. So in the exchange, I think it's running from 27th of uh, September to 28th. 
um, that the focus is really more on uh, the whole issue around accountability. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what you were saying a minute ago. How do we move the aid system from accountability talk to actual action, right? From mm -hmm. practice to implementation and mm -hmm. looking around um, what kind of commitments have we made? What, what progress have we made on those commitments? But honestly, you know, reflecting yes. on that, not clapping ourselves is it called clapping ourselves on the back, tapping ourselves on the back and saying, good job, good job. And what does the future look like in terms of, you know, collective accountability that you were referring to rather than us all individually saying, I did a good job, but you didn't. That's your own problem, <laughs> um, you know, um, and also then organizational approaches to accountability. So I, I know we have a lot of um good speakers we have a lot of breakout sessions that you can mm -hmm. participate in depending on what's most interesting to you you know organizational culture etc so mm -hmm. it'll be fun it'll be fun and you can do it remotely so for those of yes. you who are introverts and don't want many people yes. around you uh that's a really <laughs> good way <laughs> and um on this point of fun mm -hmm. and you talked about um uh, Yes, making work fun. Um, in the CHS Exchange, we'll be having a session on the 28th of September. It's called Changing Organizations from Within, mm -hmm. Creating More Accountable Cultures. And we want to emphasize that accountability to affected people, it requires a whole of organization approach. It's not just the CEO or the HR or the safeguarding focal point yeah. or the AAP, it's everyone in the organization, there's some accountability to be discussed and to be done. And in the spirit of fun, we want to um, have some teams from some of the CHS Alliance members uh, representing different parts of organizations. And we'll be having a game on um, culture, on organizational culture and, and, and drawing on what we've learned so far from a process, uh, I call it the Working Well series. We started with Working Well, um, then went to Leading Well. Just mm -hmm. published a paper called Governing Well, and next wow. we're gonna next we're gonna do a project called Funding Well. <laughs> but looking at different players in the aid ecosystem who have yeah. influence, and how can we work together to promote um, organizational cultures that ultimately support commitment eight, which is yeah. we, 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 we want to support staff to work effectively. We wanted them to be treated fairly and equitably. Yeah. And so this is a game that uh, I'm hoping will be really fun. And, and we have teams playing, but also anyone who attends will be invited to play as well. Oh, that sounds fun. Uh, and also, I guess, uh, being very creative then, because we're going to do it virtually. So that, you know, yes. that'll be nice. Yes. So um, we are rehearsing several times to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> the technology works. Yeah. Yes, because technology is sometimes more challenging than you'd think. Um, so I guess then that means that you've done some fantastic thinking. We're going to be able to see you at the Antwerp event that Cigna is sponsoring at the CHS Exchange. Um, but if listeners want to get to know more about you and your work, how can they do that? Right. So for those of you, yes, who won't see me in person or virtually, um, you can also visit our website. Melissa, I know you'll put them in the show notes as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, www.ravel.works. Mm -hmm. um, but I know it's going to be confusing my pronunciation. <laughs> so let's put it into the show notes. That's mainly where you can find out what we do. And you can also find me and my colleagues uh, on, on LinkedIn as well. Mm. Uh, so if somebody wants to reach out to us. 
Nice. And I, and I saw from, uh, I think your LinkedIn and your website, you occasionally have written some blogs and these kind of things. We do, yeah. I, um, right now, we're kind of focused. Um, uh, we're working on it in the background. More um, mm-hmm. blogs around diversity, equity, and inclusion, but mm-hmm. from a global South in quotes perspective. What does mm-hmm. that look like? Um, and we also have a, a Ravelworks uh, podcast, which has been a bit dormant. Again, we are working on the background mm-hmm. in terms of reporting, uh, recording some of our additional series. Um, voices again from the global south so managers leaders specialists on Mm -hmm. all sorts of topics Mm -hmm. but right now we're focused on more um, healthy work environments nice yeah Yeah. thank you so much Faye for your time I look forward to seeing you several times this month yeah and and yeah I'm hoping that uh, yeah everything everything goes smoothly with these events and I'm hoping our listeners get to know more about your wisdom through these various channels. So thank you so much for your time, Faye. Thank you, Melissa, for inviting me and see you next week. You've been listening to Melissa Pitati in conversation with Faye Ekong of Ravelworks Africa. I want to thank her for sharing her time and insights. A big thanks to our editor, Ziada Abayid, the CHS Alliance members, and all of our supporters. We'll soon be back with another episode exploring embodying change. Till then... Take care and be compassionate with yourself.